Hey, this is Colin Quinn. You're listening to Robert Kelly's podcast. You know what, dude, on gloryholeradio.com. That was good. Pretty professional, huh? Yeah, do one more. Hey, this is Colin Quinn. You listen to Robert Kelly on You Know What, Dude, his podcast. Hey, this is Colin Quinn. You're listening to You Know What, Dude, Robert Kelly's podcast on gloryholeradio.com. No, don't say my name. Oh. Just say You Know What, Dude podcast. Hey, this is Colin. Hey, this. A little more peppy. (sighs) Hey, gang. This is Colin Quinn. You're listening to You Know What, Dude on. It's the podcast. It's really quite pie, you cocksucker. Don't tell me how to fucking me. I'm fucking doing this 20 fucking years. I'll fucking say what I want. Hi, gang. It's Colin Quinn. You're listening to You Know What, Dude, on fucking Glory Hole, whatever the fuck that is, Glory Hole Radio, some homoerotic fucking name a couple of assholes came up with. <laughs> you know what, dude? Hey, what's up? Uh, all right, this is uh, episode of You Know What, Dude podcast. Uh, it's a late, late Wednesday night, uh, hot New York City summer night, and I'm here with, geez, my original podcast friend, the great Colin Quinn. You were ahead of your time with the podcasts. We were. Yeah, but I mean, it was your idea. I didn't even know what a damn podcast was at the time. You were ahead of the game. Now everybody's trying to do one. You know, I say that, and people don't believe me. They think I'm just spouting bullshit, but it's true. I know. <laughs> we used to do it on my phone. I used to call your house yeah. and record the phone call and put That's it right. up on MySpace. Now everybody and his brother, even Danny Lobel has a podcast. Everybody has a podcast, and they're pop- Mark Marin, Joe Rogan. Uh, Billy Burr, Adam Carolla, Jay Moore just started one. It's like number one uh, on the charts. Greg Fitzsimmons. <laughs> Fitzy. Everybody. Uh, Eddie If has one with uh, Jim Jeffries. Uh, the list goes on and on. Yeah. And I did it and before. It keeps, it keeps deteriorating as it goes on. <laughs> <laughs> I I we st- I did it back in the day. Yep. On my fucking phone, mm-hmm. the original iPhone would call you up and use this service and you know and we'd just record it and it would go on MySpace. Mm-hmm. It was called Robert Kelly and sometimes Colin Quinn. And you invented MySpace. Not invented it, but you predicted it. Just so you know that Colin doesn't have mouth cancer. He's sucking on a popsicle. I'm finished with a lovely popsicle. It's yeah. a hot night. There's nothing like a popsicle. No, nothing. They've like come up with many inventions trying to recreate, but nothing satisfies you like a popsicle. What what are the what are the other inventions? I was afraid you were gonna ask me that. <laughs> um That's a good question. Um Frozen yogurt. Nope. That's not gelato. A no, that's ice cream. 
Well, I'm just saying they've come up with other things. No, not a popsicle. Not a popsicle has a stick in it. Oh, are the stick items? Well, this yogurt on a stick, no. gelato on a stick. Uh, it's not gelato on a stick, you fucking <laughs> cunt. There's no gelato on a stick. You can't have it. It's gelato. All right. Um, but anyways, we, we did this shit back in the day. And if we had stuck with it, or if I had stuck with it, I should say, if we kept doing it, I think we'd probably have hundreds of thousands of listeners right now. And it all came to an end. Yeah. One day. Um, I remember that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, a man called me up and said, uh, hey, big fan of you and Colin Quinn, man. Amazing. And you guys are great. And I see that you're on the charts. It's Dane Cook and P. Diddy and Madonna. And, and then you guys. You guys are like number four or five on the chart. And... Um, you know, that's pretty great. I'd love to pay you guys. I want to pay you guys cash. I want to give you guys some serious money to do it. All you have to do is once a week uh, in the studio in New York City, and we're going to do it. Uh, are you into it? And I'd be like, yeah, let me call Colin. And then I called you, and I had a meeting set up for all three of us. And uh, you got on the phone with the guy, and he was uh, in his home cooking dinner for his little kids that he probably gets on maybe a couple days a week from his divorced wife. They were just like, Daddy, Daddy's here, and he's cooking his dinner, mac and cheese, and some chicken, and he picked up the phone to answer it, and uh, you said, uh, hey, Colin, how you doing? Hey. Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm pretty excited about this. I'd like to tell you uh, what I was thinking, and you said... I forget what I said. No. Excuse me? No, I'm all set. You don't need to go into it. Uh, I'm not doing it. Uh, is well. Is there any way that I could, you know, you just give me a chance to give you my pitch? And no, that'd be senseless, pointless. I'm not doing it, no matter what you say. Uh, oh, okay. Um, all right, all right, okay, all right. Bye, bye. Now we're number seventy-eight on the charts. <laughs> And That's how I got my nickname, the white Patrice O'Neal. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? What we're going to do is right after Tough... You were doing that shit after Tough Crowd. Yeah. Tough Crowd. That was a good, that was a good response. Yeah. That's how hot it is. It's hot. It's oh, yeah. hot. It's hot. It's, uh, we're both tired. Yeah. We're both in many depressions. Yeah. I put a Reese's on the table. Not a regular Reese's, a Reese's bar. It's actually a big bar. And I just put it there and I left it there in front of you. I didn't ask if you wanted it. Like a raccoon. <laughs> and you lasted you lasted eight minutes. That was pretty good. No, I was just staring warming up for it. There's yeah. still some left. Yeah. But um yeah. Yeah, it is a hot one. Getting ready for Montreal next week. Oh my god. Are you excited? Yeah, I kind of am in a way. Really? I like Montreal. It's a beautiful town. I used to hate it. You did? When I wasn't in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, when they wouldn't pick you? And I'd audition. It's the worst. It's the worst. The audition. Did you ever audition for it? Um, I think I did. 
but anyway, they didn't pick me. Even if I didn't audition for it, I still didn't get picked for it. You know, like some people just get invited all the time. Right. Some people in the business seem to get invited to everything. Some people seem to get invited to nothing. I feel like people have the impression they, that I get invited to everything. But I feel like the reality is I don't get invited to much. Co- comparable to where people would think I would get invited to things. Like Montreal. Right, Montreal. I've been invited once in, you know, 20-something years I'm in the comedy, you know. Well, twice now. Now twice, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I, I stopped audition. I told Frosty. I was like, I don't want to do audition for any more festivals. I don't want to do it. It's just I don't need to do it. They're not going to pick me. I don't need the... I don't need it. I just don't need to do it. I'll just go do something else. I'll just go become better as a comic. Yeah. And I'll just focus. And then... I got all of them in the like the like once one picture the other one's picture, and then now I I'm in with Montreal. I I did the nasty show the first time and I went back and did it again and then I did that tour. I fucking love it. I yeah. fucking love it. It's a fucking blast. And they it's great. And they treat you right. Yeah. I mean it's not a. Um, it's fucking cool and the crowds are fucking great. Uh, you know, in Canada for some reason. There's a different vibe up there for comedy. Yeah, you do a lot of gigs up in Canada. I do. I did a lot with... I did a lot with Dane, and then I did a lot with Montreal Fest, just yeah. for laughs. But it was... I did that tour across Canada last year. It was fucking great. It was awesome. Yeah. And the crowds are fucking great. Yeah, they are great. I mean, I only did Toronto, but I love Toronto. I love doing gigs there. Toronto? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I just like the crowds. What are you laughing at? <laughs> I don't know. It's just usually... <laughs> I don't know. What? <laughs> what the fuck are you laughing at? I'm just laughing that you're a little monotone. You're a little monotone tonight. What am I usually, Mr. Enthusiasm? Like, hey, the crowds are sensational. <laughs> what am I known for my fucking... This is my Effervescence yes. My ebullience <laughs> Say ebullience again Ebullience you No know I don't know What that fucking means <laughs> Say it again What the Say hell is your problem I'll fucking throw One of my dogs at you <laughs> Don't fucking use Ebullience You know I don't fucking I don't like those Stupid words They're not stupid words nah, they're, they're fucking They're descriptive words Unnecessary words How's that Well unnecessary Well you could say Unnecessary is a word an unnecessary word. Unnecessary is a word. You can say it's an unnecessary word. Uh, well, that's not what you and said. Gary Goldman just told me tonight you used a word. Uh, some word. What the hell was it? I can't remember. When you met him, where you were like, it's a... Uh, fuck, I can't remember. That was good. All right, go on. Let's get back to business. Well, I'm just saying. Well, you're up there. You're up there doing the festival. You're doing your show. Right. Colin's one-man show. Yeah. Which is called... Long story short, but it's a, yeah, and it's uh, I'm doing that for two nights at some theater. Will you stay at the Grand Hyatt? We don't say where we're staying. No, you don't say where you're what, staying. What is this stalkers? Well, I mean, you don't want to give out the fucking hotel you're staying at. In case the serial killers listen to the podcast. Well, we don't have stalkers. Comics don't have stalkers. Yeah, but I bet there's a lot of. If I was a killer, if I was a psycho, I'd listen to podcasts and then if, find out. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> You're, me and you are as close to fucking serial killers as you can get without the bodies. <laughs> There's bigger psychos than us. Who? Daryl Hammond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's, he doesn't have the rage to back it up. No, he doesn't. You're right. He doesn't have the rage. He has, if we had his brain, 
and he had our rage. Oh. If you put those together, you get a serial killer. Oh yeah. It, it, but he's he's not crazy. I mean, he's not like he's yeah. Like no, he's more like turns on himself. I can't see him holding up in a building and killing others. No, he. And we turn that. on ourselves, but you know we'd like to turn on others. Yeah, I have. I, I you know what's funny is I, I just watched a movie called uh, I think it was called The End. There's two movies called. I actually watched two movies on Netflix called The End. One with Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds, I know that one. Which is fucking funny. Burt Reynolds has the best laugh in the business. Yeah, he does. The fucking best laugh in the business. And Dom DeLuise, again, I talk about him a lot on the fucking podcast. That scene when he's the mental patient, when he comes in, when Burt wakes up in the insane asylum. And I don't he, remember it. He's sitting next to him. It's fucking hilarious. He is. Oh, they were great together. Comic fucking genius. They were great. He's awesome. But there's another movie called The End about the uh, London mob guys, uh, the South End. The Cray Brothers and all those guys. No, not those guys. A bunch of other guys. Um, and it's it's just this daughter of one of the guys interviews all these guys. Oh, it's a real documentary. Documentary. And I'd like to see that. It's fucking great. It's called The End. It's on Netflix. It's, uh, it's fucking crazy, these guys. With, and these guys talk about, uh, you know, the, they all have a list. Like, if I get cancer, I'm taking everybody. Oh. It, it, like, one of the guys even says it. He goes, I get cancer. There's, there's, there's a few people that are coming with me. <laughs> they're coming. They're, they're coming with me. I'm going. I'm just going to whack them out. I don't give a shit. They're oh. fucking dying. Yeah, I can. I can see. I can understand it. You know what I mean? I can understand. I don't it. think I would do that, but you never know. I'm not as angry as I was five, six years ago. Right. right. For some reason, it went away. I think because I'm happier in my life. Yeah. I think once I got happier in my relationship with my wife. Yeah. And it may sound as gay as it sounds, when you actually fall in love with somebody or you let yourself. You know, when right. you, yeah, be loved, and yeah, there's something that your ang- your trust, and your fucking rage kind of goes away a little yeah. bit. <clears throat> but I mean, it's still there. I still, yeah, I'm still a psychopath. Yeah, I walk down the street and I play out scenarios in my head all the time. Yeah, me too. Like I have fan, I do these little fantasies. All me the time. too. Yeah, I, I mean, and I I play them out in full. Yeah, it's very quick, very fast. They're you know seconds long, but I, I from the beginning to end, I have these fantasies where I fucking you know I fucking grab somebody, throw them to the ground, and punch them in the fucking face. And don't you fucking do that. If I'm walking with my wife, I'm I'm not really enjoying the walk as much as she is because if we're out late in New York City, I'm what if this guy, who's that guy, what right. if this motherfucker. If this guy, you know, if these people say something, yeah, I'm ready to fucking attack somebody at all, all the time. But that's normal. I mean, that's logical. It's logical. And late at night in New York City, if you were a Navy SEAL, it would. But be I'm logical. saying late at night in New York City, it's still a, it's not a bad way to be on point. There's nothing more annoying if you're with your girlfriend, right, right. your wife, and I, I doubt Dawn does this. But like sometimes I'd be out with girlfriend, wife, you know, over the years, yeah. and I, suddenly you're walking down the street, you see some shady bastards, you realize you're probably gonna have to, or like you said, you're thinking ahead, uh oh, something's gonna have to happen, and suddenly the girlfriend or wife starts like holding you, 
to where you're like, listen, get off me. I'm going to have to fight in a minute. You're holding me where these guys, I have a package in one hand. I got you. And it's like, we're not on a meander through the fucking, you know, some beach. You know, it's like, you see where we are? You see what's going on behind me? Yeah. Let me go so I can defend you and myself right now. But here's the thing is if you said that to her. She'd be like, you're crazy. Right. We're fine. Right. Stop. And she's 99% of the time, she's probably right. But that 1%. That 1%, you want to be ready. And these guys look and they see if you're ready too. Yeah. I mean, every time my wife goes out and walks the dogs, I have little fantasies. I, that, all right, I, and they're specific. Like the guy, what happens. Right. I hear my name. And then I, I know what I'm going to grab on the way out the fucking door. Of course, door. you always know where your weapons and, are. And I know what I'm going to do when I get out there. I'm going to fucking, hey, what's going on? I'm going to be nice. Like, hey, dude, why don't you let, that's my wife. And yeah. then I'm going to try to just get it close. And then I'm going to fucking bash the fuck away. You know what all your weapons are at all times, you know? Yeah, I know where they are. Just like me, even the slingshot you gave me, one of my favorite weapons. I'm always playing with that. Well, that's from fucking a thousand years ago. I don't know if that's the, the best option. No, but I love the slingshot yeah. and and that knife. You know, I have all my knives and hatchets and bats. When I was a kid, I tell you about that one time. We were sitting there. I was sitting in my window. I look out. Guy's robbing a car. My blocker. Did you see him go walk over, punch out a window of a boat, of a station wagon? This guy Lenny that lived across the street. Yeah. Just you know, I didn't know him well. I go to my friends. Oh shit! Look, you know, rolling in, getting high. Seventeen. I go out there with my hatchet. I bust down the block. This guy sees me coming. You know, he sees the door open. I guess he's watching. He starts tailing. He knows we're up to something. My friends are behind me. I shoestring catch him. Shoestring. He goes falling down. Catch him. And a couple of guys grab him. He's got this giant long butcher knife on him. Jesus. And Lenny comes over. Here's the worst part of the story. Lenny comes over the next day to our friends. We had our leader. And he goes to the leader of our friends, hey, man, thank you. Doesn't even thank me. I'm the one that made the shoestring grab. You're not the leader. I'm not the leader. And then the saddest part was about July 4th, I went back to Brooklyn. My friend was having a party. Everyone's telling the story, and they're going, remember that time when that guy was robbing the car? And they mentioned another guy, and Jimmy caught him. And I go, everybody's like, yeah. They all start going over the story, and I'm sitting there going, no, no. I caught him. <laughs> I caught him. And I could tell nobody really, they're just looking like this asshole. He's bad enough. He's in comedy. Aren't you successful enough? You have to take credit for Jimmy's catch. I'm like, no, my catch. And I'm the one that spotted him because it was out my window. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> why, why, why did you have a hatchet? But then another time I'm running up the block with my hatchet. I had, why I mean, do you have a hatchet? Well, I'm saying you always have weapons. So I had to, I forget where the hatchet came I've from. Ne- I've never had like a hatchet. Some, you know, it was like some little, I forget where it came from, but I had the hatchet and you sit in my window and I, I stayed up all night then. That's why I became a comedian too. I was a late night guy and I'd sit there in my window in my underwear and hot days, you know, nobody used AC in those days, right? It was just you had a fan. Sitting there in a tidy, yeah, sitting there in a tidy whities. Another time I saw another guy breaking the house. I go running out with the hatchet again. Run up the corner. The cops pull up. I go, he went that way. I'm sitting there with a tidy whiteys and a hatchet. Of course, they immediately <laughs> grab me, throw me on the ground, start cuffing me. I'm like, no. Do you understand, though, that how how hard it would to to use a hatchet on somebody? Do you understand? Do you understand how hard it is to hit somebody with a hatchet? I think it's easier to hit somebody in the head with a hatchet. 
I mean, as far as are you talking about the mental or the physical difficulty? The mental, the mental difficulty to swing a hatchet and hit somebody's head with it. Okay, like okay, hitting somebody with a stick right. or a, a bat. Not that hard. Right. You swing it, it's like basically extension of your arm. Mm -hmm. Shooting somebody would be easier. Stabbing somebody is harder harder. than actually shooting somebody. Right. Because you actually have to stick it in them. Yes. And that psychologically... And then, then a hatchet is beyond that. Because a hatchet, unless you have fucking Indian blood in you, (laughs) to hit somebody with a hatchet, dude, is fucking crazy. That's crazy. I think stabbing somebody is crazier than a hatchet. hatchet. Yeah. Are you fucking a hatchet is because stabbing a hatchet. and a, a, sta- a, a <laughs> hatchet stabbing them with a bat. It's a stabbing somebody with a bat. Okay, <laughs> it's way harder because yeah. when you hit somebody with a hatchet, the wound that you're going to cause is, and you're going to have to pull it out. I mean, Jesus. Speaking of great weapons and pulling it out, what about that Afghani knife I got? Hoods. Uh, girl, Hood's wife now right. was Afghani. So her yeah. father was like an ambassador to Afghanistan. Right. So powerful that three weeks after 9-11, she comes back on a plane with this giant like bow, Afghani Bowie knife for me. You know what I mean? She wow. just got it for me. And it's this old school knife, but the way the Afghanis fight, you don't just stick it in them. It's got a jagged edge on the bottom part, so when you pull it out, it catches. Oh, so, so not only you stab and back up, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just the most brutal thing. It just goes to show, like, all the modern weaponry, and you know, these guys are warriors, you know, in their own way. You know what I mean? Like, even though they're like low tech, it's scary. It must be scary for our troops over there. I remember hearing about Russia years ago about the Russian troops and how they would, they never wanted to be caught alive because the Afghanis would just had all these like primitive torture things. They'd skin them alive. Yeah. They'd put ants on them. They put all kinds of shit on them and just. You know what I mean? Sodomize them and then just slowly rip out their insides. Well, it's not all that bad then. What's that? Get little, <laughs> they rip their insides get out. Get a little sex. But I'm just saying that yeah. they never wanted to get caught. And that was one of the demoralizing things about fighting the Afghanis, apparently, was that a lot of the soldiers were like, it's too brutal. These guys love live to fight. I think if I was brought up in a different... If I was brought up in wartime... Where I had to be drafted or something, you know, because any war that I was right after the Vietnam. Right. I was, you know, too old to go to fucking Iraq, the first one and the second one. Right. But if I was brought up in war where I had to got drafted, I would have went into fuck. I would have went right into the Marines. I would have went into tried to be special. I would have went over and just fucking killed people. I think I have that in my head. Yeah. Like where I could go over there and just shoot motherfuckers. You definitely would have. I think I would have been... <laughs> Stop. No, you would have been Air right Force. next to me. Air Force. Oh, God. You wouldn't have fit in the jumpsuit, first of all. <laughs> all right? <laughs> There's no way you would have been Air Force. Have you seen how small the jet plane seats are? And Go to the Intrepid. They are very slender boys, the Air Force. Dude, I went over to the Intrepid the other day with my nephew, and, and you can't... I would have never been able to have been a pilot. They would have had to make a different yeah, plane really for me. Are, they really are small. Small people, man. Those little jet fighters. Are they're f- like movie actors. They are the big movie stars are delicate boned, like Tom Cruise. Like they're really delicate. Small guys. Small boned people. Small bo- I, I, I think that. I, I wonder if that's why I haven't made it. Because you're not small boned enough? I'm just not petite enough. 
Yeah. Everybody that I know that is famous, they're petite guys. I love they're, that that show Justified on FX. I've seen with it. Timothy Oleranto. Oliphant. Yeah. Thin little dude. On TV, he looks shredded. Big guy. Right. They do seem more shredded on TV. You know, but they, if I, me on TV, I, maybe I'm too big. What about the time we went to, speaking of flying, we went to Iraq, and then we're in the plane, and they told us this is what will happen if you get shot at. And then it happened where all those alarms go off, and I'm sitting there with Steve Byrne. Yeah. And I turn around and look at him. I go, Steve. And he thought, we were, you know, we were getting attacked. We we're going to die. All the things came down. Remember all the alarms? Yeah. I go, Steve. At le- I'm looking right in the eye. We're in those headsets. I go, at least I made it. With you, we'll never know. <laughs> you said that? And he just looked at me like this. <laughs> How about in the back of the plane? Because I didn't get picked to go to the front. Because that's <laughs> the story of my life. Because Tracy picked Steve. Because Steve Burns is a hugger. And he's a nice guy. And I'm apparently too... My energy was just too fucking shitty. I didn't get picked for anything on that fucking trip. <laughs> Steve, Colin, you, she didn't want to pick you either. Don't laugh. Hey. If you weren't fucking... I was the leader. You were the leader. But if <laughs> she could have fucking told you to go fight, she would have just picked Steve. Of course, Steve's the... Plus, his brother was over there. Right. Well, Steve, Steve, is, Steve has the ability to be normal. And he's a hugger, like you said. Yeah, he's a he's a normal. He's like, guy. hi, how are you? Hey, what's up? I don't have that ability. I'll tell you one thing. He, Steve gave me a beautiful picture. It's still up in my apartment today, of me from the back performing in front of all these troops outdoor at night. I took that fucking photo. <laughs> you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> you just told that fucking hatchet story, and it still bugs you. And then you fucking rework it into me. I took that fucking picture. Ugh. <laughs> He I'm, took the picture, but Steve sent it to me. And I was like, but three months later, I go, yeah, this great picture. Remember? Because I didn't know. And he goes, I go, it's a great picture. You know, Steve's, he goes, I took that fucking picture. He took it. But I thought it was from Steve because Steve sent it to me. Remember? Yeah, because Steve's a fuck <laughs> again. I'm in the back of the plane sitting next to a bunch of Marines because I'm in the, you know, I don't get to go up front. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> I hate when I'm I'm out somewhere and something like that too. When I try to change the core of who I am, right? Just to have people like me. <laughs> That's one of those trips where I tried to change who I was. Right. I tried to be smile more or be more friendly or open up because I just wanted to be treated better. Yeah. And it just did. It still doesn't work. No. It's still, but I was in the back, and the flares, what happens is you're in the C-130, and the flares start shooting off. We were landing in Fallujah to pick out ammunition and other comics that were doing some other tour, and the flares went off. And I, I actually was like, oh, man, that's beautiful, to the guy next to me. I was like, that's beautiful, man. Look at the sun. And he leaned over. He goes, that's not the sun. Someone just shot a rocket at the plane. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I, st- I, I, I literally leaned over to him. I go, hey, could you show some fucking emotion if we're going to fucking get a... I was so angry. Like, you fu- Really? You're that fucking calm? Oh. I was like, dude, if I'm fucking dying... Yeah. I want to like, know about it. I flip out on a fucking roller coaster, never mind going down on a plane in Fallujah. I want to scream. Oh. I want to yell. I want to ask for forgiveness. <laughs> I want to fucking do yeah. my thing before I die. I'm not going down. I'm not a fucking soldier. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, that was a good time. But that was, how long ago was that? Seven years ago? Yeah. Longer. 
Yeah. Maybe eight. Maybe seven and a half, eight. It's crazy, huh? It's kind of, it's fucked up. I mean, tough crowd, man. That was fucking the shit. Yeah. It's two, what was it, blocks away from your house? Yeah. Blocks away from my house. Yeah. It was a fucking four, five, four days a week. Yep. Yeah. It was the shit. It was. It was one of those things that definitely was, uh, you know, they definitely have done nothing like that. Well, they've tried. I mean, Byron Allen picked it up after. Yeah. Tried to do his thing that's still running. Right. Chelsea Handler pretty much does the same shit. Yeah. That's a tough crowd, if you ask me. Right. So that, that's a tough crowd. I mean, it's it's not as. Can we erase the part where I said they, they've never done nothing like that before then? Well, we can erase that part and then the part about the popsicles. Yeah. We can do that. The um, But it's. And they never put it on fucking DVD either. I know. Does that bug you? Yeah, it does bug me. Do you think it's because it would cost too much money to put that many episodes on? You can't really do something like that? It's not like it was a once-a-week show. Right. It was four days a week for two years. Um, That'd be a lot of yeah. fucking episodes. They could have put the best of. On the DVD? Maybe, right? I th- I mean... It's too late now. Nobody even buys fucking DVDs, but... Well, you could put it on iTunes. Yeah. Have you ever even tried to talk to them about it? Yeah, my my ma- my agent and manager at the time tried to talk to him about it, but they were like, "Oh, we just don't do like this." You what you said they were like, "Oh, we don't do daily shows like that, or we don't put them out like that." You know. But what about now? What about trying to do it now? Yeah, I mean, like maybe a I could... fucking anniversary or something, right? Because that fucking, I mean, if you look at that show, the reason why that show is so fucking brilliant is because yeah, you were the fu- it was your show. Yeah, but. You know, at any point, anybody could kind of take over and go at it and do what, say what they want and do what they want. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, Chelsea Handler where it's like she's the queen fucking bee and everybody else is just trying to get their jokes in. And, right. You know. No, I took a lot of unnecessary, un, un, unwarranted abuse on that show. I'd be in the middle of the show trying to be the host and then people like making fun of my legs, calling me cancer stick legs, deer legs, yeah. telling me shut up. Yeah. You know, but that was part of the charm, like you said. Part of the charm was people would try to, when anybody would go on there and try to be like, I'm going to win over the crowd, everybody would just turn on them because we know all the tricks because we're comedians too. How about the time I had notes and Patrice grabbed them and threw them away? Oh. Because people had notes. Yeah. You'd write jokes for the show. Yeah. Except for certain people. Like Patrice. Like Patrice. He would just go on. And he grabbed, well, go on and on. (laughs) I mean, this guy was, he literally would hold the floor like, you know, like a fucking filibustering senator in the (laughs) 1890s and shit. He's just up there. He wouldn't shut up. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people really had a problem with that. Really? Yeah. What, like behind the scenes? Yeah. A lot of comedians are like, what the fuck, man? Was that guy? But, you know, you can't help it. You know how Patrice is. Patrice is one of those guys, you know, when he gets to you, you just can't help it. You know what I mean? There's really no, he's, there's no reason to love him because he'll just fucking turn on you, but you can't help it. If you love Patrice, you just love him. Yeah, you just, I, you know, you he's one of those guys and his, his fans are the same way. It's like, you'll sit there and listen to bullshit, bullshit. And at the end of it, he comes up with some twist and you're like, Jesus Christ, that was well worth the trip. Yeah. <laughs> But the problem with Patrice was He thought it was his show 
But it was my show. Really? Well, I mean, sometimes I'd be on there, and I felt like we were the guests, and he was the host. You know what I'm saying? I waited too long to eat my popsicle. It melted. It melted? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like, uh, you know, like sometimes I'd literally be sitting there, and I'd feel like that was the center. Right. And I was one of the guests. I mean, I would literally feel that way. (laughs) That's part of his charm. Was there any show Let me ask you this question Was there any show That you fucking hated Of that show Yeah I don't remember I mean I'm sure There's plenty There's no show That you remember That just this fucking I'm sure there were plenty I just can't remember Any offhand well, I remember feeling sick To my stomach a lot You know Really Well just cause you know I felt like there was Pressure from that You know I just felt like At the beginning I felt like This is gonna be Everything I wanted to be Spontaneous Honest you know, just get more and more honest and more and more spontaneous. And then somewhere I felt like, and I can't just blame it on the network, but I blame them partially. But I also say I lost, you know, the the sense, even though I enjoyed it, I lost the sense of, uh, you know, like that, you know, of I, I lost my focus on certain areas of it. You know what I mean? You know, but I mean, it was still, I still loved it, but I mean. Towards the end, it just started to get a little. It got a little out of control. You know what I mean? But it was still. It was still. It was still a unique thing, and it could have really gone places. You know. But the, why? Let me. Ask, why did it fucking end? Why did it fucking get taken off? Well, I mean, they took it off because they felt like they said it was the ratings, and maybe it was. But I mean, it was also like they didn't like the direction it was getting. You know, it was, I feel like I my my whole thing is. I feel like it, they were getting a lot of people saying that show is racist. Not not fans, not average people. People come up to me all this time in the street, black people, white people, anybody, Puerto Ricans, Asian. Oh, I love that show. It's like me and my friends is the way people really talk. Right. But I feel like the industry, whatever that means, was kind of like that show is very uh, mean spirited. That show is a lot of racial. Uh, it shows awfully, you know what I mean? Like I feel like it offended sensibilities, you know, that. Of, of a lot of people in, in that would get that had the ear of Comedy Central, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like that's I feel like that's what happened. So how well, how did it end? What was the day it ended? It was right. I don't know the day, but I know it was right. It was this like November first. It was November first or November first, I think, seven years ago. This November will be seven years. Seven years. It was a long time. What they just call you into a room? No, they called me like a couple of months before that, and they were like. We had this big meeting, and they're like, well, you know, talking about all the stuff. The, the racial stuff is really, you know, that's Dave Chappelle covers all racial stuff. I go, what? I said, you can't have two people covering racial stuff? That's interesting, you know. And they're like, I go, and they go, you talk about politics a lot. We have John Stewart covering politics. I was like, what? What do you want us to talk about? They go, we like it to be more like, you know, topics like celebrity topics. I go, really? You want me to stand on stage with Nick DiPaolo and Patrice O'Neill staring at me and go, hey, fellas, what do you think about this Paris Hilton thing that's going on? <laughs> I said, they'll tear me apart. I won't even make it to the second question. <laughs> so I feel like they wanted to be pop culture. They say they did, but I just think they want us to avoid the brutal discussions that we were having about race. You know? Right. The brutal honesty of that. And then... uh and I believe you were on the one show. There was one episode. First of all, the fact that they would never let the black comedians use the N-word on our show. They used it, but then they'd bleep them. 
Well, that's the Chappelle a, show. They would say it seventy times. Well, that's the famous story Patrice talks about, where he had uh, talking about the DC sniper, right. and he's like, you know, it's a serial killer, and all the news is like, it's a white guy and a white male, right. and mid to you know late thirties, and right. and you know, because serial, and, and then he goes, ah, and then it was just a nigger and a Buick. <laughs> Hilarious. And they beep nigger and let him, and they no, they beep Buick, but they let him say nigger on what? your show. On my show? Yeah. Well, maybe it was that one episode. We had yeah. one episode where we said... They didn't we, want him to say Buick was the fight. Uh, that's he, funny. He was like, I can't say Buick, but you're going to let me say nigger? But that goes against my whole point. My whole point is that they wouldn't uh, even let... That's true. But what happened was, you, you were on the episode, I believe, where we said, look, you know, you guys, I said, you guys can't have Chappelle's show. They say nigger 70 times a show. Yeah. Our show, the black comedians are bleep from saying it. Yeah. That's... That's weird Right Because we're a white show Or something We're on two hours later Right That's when you get more time You're more permissive At that hour Right You're bleeping The black comedians Yeah And that's weird But anyway You know Once again These decisions get made Of these ultra sensitive people Who are worried You know Defending People that don't need Their defense Who <laughs> don't want it You know But anyway So then one episode I go that They go Okay fine This episode Because the episode Was about The word nigger that was what the episode was about. So I said, you can't bleep us this episode. And then the censor goes to me, look, okay, you know, we're not going to bleep you this time for this episode. But try to keep tell people to keep it, you know, try not to, you know, abuse it. I go, okay, fine. I go on with this in mind. I told all you back. You were on this episode. Yeah. I remember. Okay. When I tell you, I told everybody, you know, just try to keep it reasonable. They're letting us say it, guys. Like, I was actually innocently, once again, every episode, I was foolish enough to think that you assholes were listening to a word I said. I go, this is actually good, so let's try to keep it. You, Patrice, I forget who else, probably DePaulo, somebody. I mean, when I say every other, even by the end of the show, I was like, oh, everybody said it. It had to be like a thousand. I mean, it had to be a couple of hundred times. Really? It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was like a god. It was unbelievable. It was like Lil Wayne combined with fucking Jay-Z. It was like the <laughs> hip-hop cube. summit. Come, uh, It was unbelievable. It was hip-hop summit meets Klan rally. <laughs> and I'm sitting there the whole time. I'm going, and right at the end, and you went on a run with it, too. I remember. That's what I remember. You went on a run, and I was just sitting there going. And then afterwards, the censor comes up to me. Well, I, saw, I said, I swear to God, I told them. <laughs> But that was the beauty of tough crowd. Like even when you know, I would try to be in charge. You know, it was just to be out of control because people just didn't give a shit. Because well, everybody's being honest and spontaneous, which is what everybody claims they want on TV. And you yet, can't. you know, you can't. You can't. You can't. They Everything don't really ha- want that. No, they, they want don't. fake spontaneity and fake honesty. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I just had to write out my act for Montreal. I had to right. write it out word for word and uh, in French. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, uh, it's and it sucks. You're sitting there going, "What is this? Yeah, this isn't what I fucking signed on for." I know. I got, and then you know, even if you want to do Letterman, or, or you know, you got to have fucking Eddie Brill follow you around. That's right. And say, "Don't say that." Try, and it's like, "What the fuck is this?" I know. I, I mean, am I funny? Do I? Know, do you want me on the show? Speaking of which, tell me the uh, not to sidetrack for a second. But tell them my favorite story about you trying to write your act out to go to India before anybody's. This is before anybody's really even doing Europe that much. Yeah. And him and Keith Robinson, guy comes and sees you guys, right? With some one of the Indian comics. Well, no, Matt Frost sold the gig. He got us to Amsterdam. The whole gig starts out with Amsterdam. 
and I'm sitting in a room at this agency that I just signed with, and uh, who's the white comic that talks about Hot Pockets? Hot Pockets. Yeah. White guy, really white guy, who kind of whispers. Brian Regan? No, whiter than that. I know who you're thinking of. The fuck? He's really big. He's done a lot of shit. What's his name? Fuck. Anyways, we're in the room with him. <laughs> and I tell him, hey, I'm going to Amsterdam. And he co- immediately calls Frosty and tries to get me. He's flipping out of Frosty because he's not on the gig. And he tries to get me bumped off this gig. <laughs> okay. So then Frosty calls me. Dude, you got to keep your mouth shut. You know, you got to stop. I'm working on this gig and I got an in- I'm working on this thing in India. I got this thing where you're going to go right from Amsterdam. You and Keith Robinson. You're going to go to India for a month. It's thousands of dollars. You're going to be in five-star hotels. Kyle Cease. No. Go ahead. Older than that. And it's it's amazing. You're going to go all over India, but it's going to be... It's, he goes, it's great. The money's great. You're going to, and over there, you're going to be a millionaire because a, a, a dollar American at the time was like 10 and million And nobody has rupees. done comedy in India at that time. Nobody. No Americans, really. <clears throat> yeah. So, anyways, we were in Amsterdam, me and Keith, and... Uh, we're fucking, you know, doing these gigs, and the lady, the lady calls Matt and says, "We need them to just write their acts out, ten minute acts, yeah. 10, 15 minutes, write out the jokes you're gonna do word for word, because there's censor police in India that will be at the shows, and if you say anything against the government or the god or whatever, they stop the show, you get arrested. It's that's it. Everybody gets in trouble. Yeah. So we just had to write out our acts." So I'm in my room. I'm walking out. Uh, I come out. Keith comes out with his. I go, dude. I'm. All right, we got to write out these acts, man. We got to get this shit done today. It has to be in today. He comes out. He goes, I, I did it. I got it. He's got a wrinkled up <laughs> piece of notebook paper, written in pencil, with the fr- the edges still on where he ripped it out of the notebook. That's what he's gonna send in to Matt. He's gonna fax it in. I go, dude. You gotta type it out. I can't do this. And this is just when internet. I go, I'm going to an internet cafe, which he didn't know even existed. <laughs> and I go, and he, I bring him with me, pay the money. We sit him down at a fucking typewriter with one index finger. He's typing out his whole act. <laughs> one, not two. Didn't even, wasn't even smart enough to use both index ah. fingers. Used one with his glasses, looking down at the keyboard, fucking getting frustrated. Needless to say, we didn't get the fucking shit in. He didn't get his dumb stuff in. It wasn't correct. Canceled. Done. That reminds me when I had tough crowd. I had Keith and Norton writing on the show at the beginning, just for the pilot. Right. Keith Norton, Sherrod. How did that fucking happen? And uh, somebody I mean, else. You really hooked me up, too, by the way. You really tried to set you like send in a writing. You I made know. me do writing submission after writing submission. They were good ones. And well, they were all right. I mean, you can tell me honestly now but they sucked. No, I think they were good. Something happened. But anyway, well, I want to get into that after. All right, I would walk into the office. Norton and Keith sitting there, literally like these are guys, young comics, not that old, you know, and they looked like. MTA employees in their late 50s. They'd both be taking naps. Their feet would be up. 
there'd be like you know just porno on the computer and it, you know it was just the beginning of like the porno on the computer and just and I would just look and be like how could you do this to me you know? <laughs> and I, I mean it was just unbelievable it was uh, they did submit and just what you said it reminded me of it because Sherrod and all of them just submitting ideas like on paper instead of like typed you know these guys that may not have their ability some young nerdy writer not as funny but they're typing shit out their hand they're working all hours rewrite these guys typically only comedians this is what I love and hate about comedians is that they just hand you the idea like yeah man make something out of it we all know <laughs> it's gonna be funny I thought of it <laughs> and they're treating me like I'm gonna go guys but I'm a comedian too I'm an arrogant asshole just like you don't hand me this paper like I'm gonna go oh my god yes that's why you always say to Patrice and Keith I go stop acting like I'm your white manager I'm a comedian too I have an attitude problem too I don't know if you noticed but yet when you guys get around me you hand me shit like why don't you take charge like they used to always try to get us to go on tour them and Norton too we want to do a tour. I go, great, so do I. So set it up. I go, no, I'm not a booker. I'm just like you. I'm a comedian. I'll be on the tour. Just like set it up. Fuck you. Set it up. Fuck you. Set it up. How's that? And we never went on tour. Uh-huh. You, you did a little couple of them. Did we? They did. They did, yeah. They did. But it's like, once again, you're trying to set... Trying to set <laughs> like they wanted me to do all this other shit. Like just because suddenly I'm the grown up because it's my show. Fuck you. Well, here's the I don't thing. have my shit together. I've proven that now, but at the well, time, everybody thought I did. Well, you did. You did have your shit together, dude. You fucking, Ugh. you fucking wrote your own monologue every day. I could do that. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I mean, you didn't have any help. No, not for the monologue. <clears throat> I don't understand that. Why would I do that? I'll tell you why. Here's how deluded I was. This is how fucking deluded I was. I was like, well, I know Dennis Miller used to write his own monologue when he had that show. Right. And then when he put out the books, I heard he had problems where some comedian, some of his writers were like, hey, we wrote most of these jokes. Right. So I was like, I'm going to give these guys a break. I'll write my own monologue. So when I put out my books, we all know how they've turned out. <laughs> there won't be any legal problems. Nobody have to worry because I wrote my own monologues. Right. So you're looking ahead. Uh, yeah, you were looking ahead. a little too far ahead. A little too far ahead. What if? I mean, tough crowd though. If I mean, if that, if that was a hit, if that was a money maker, if that was a fucking one of the big ones. I mean, like the Daily Show is, or like Chappelle could have been. Right. That would have been a fucking game changer for you. I mean, you would have been yeah. set for life. Sure. Totally. Does that fuck with you? But it didn't until you phrased it that way just now. <laughs> Before that, I was fucking resigned to it. But you're like, if that was it, I was like, shit, <laughs> shit, shit. But um, yeah, I mean, I've thought about it. Of course I have. I've also thought, but I also thought like creatively of the evolution. Like I used to think of all these ideas to film people like all the comedians at the beginning and keep filming them. And then over the years, go back and see what you were like and see what you were fucking talking about, you right. know just backstage and shit and I just had all these creative ideas for the show that was kind of you know like I had a bunch of ideas but it just it, when it got pulled I was like shit man and you know all these years I mean it's almost seven years but you know all these years I was always like you know it takes a long time for the shit to sink in with me you know yeah. because my career was such that I'd always come back after a couple of years and even this time I'm sure you and everybody else was like well he'll probably come back with something else because I'm always writing and I was yeah. at these pitch meetings 
but the fact they haven't come back in seven years and it's like you know what I mean it's like strange to me in that you know like I wanted to have all the shows then the variations on Tough Crowd or whatever you know now there was one thing that fucking surprised me is that you just didn't bring it somewhere else or a variation of something else to HBO or Showtime where well I told you, know, you a I told you a genius Jim Norton right when the end of the show he helpfully goes to me you should try to think if you can bring this to HBO or FX or something. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think of that? And I was like, no, Jim, I never thought of bringing it to another network. How fucking brilliant. <laughs> but of course I tried, you know what I mean? But no one took. Nobody wanted. Why? Nobody. That's the question. There's many, you know, theories on why, but. Well, here's, you, you've been writing for the last fucking seven years after Tough Crowd. You've yeah. been writing movie scripts and TV shows. Yeah. But not comedy Shows like Tough Crowd or something like that. You right. were writing actually, you know, you couldn't write Tough Crowd anyway, right? You, and and then you were writing your one your one man show for the yeah. last couple of years, yeah. well, actually longer than that because you started in your stand up, right? And then you formed it into a one man show. I remember you, first I did my other one man show was Dawn Saw, the Economy Show. Oh, that was a different show, totally different show, right, Dawn? Yeah. Dawn doesn't talk on the podcast, Colin. Sorry, Dawn. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's all right. It's a rule in the house. <laughs> that was a totally different show. Yeah. I break it sometimes. That was a totally different show. See, so you get a dog. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it was a totally different show. I didn't know that. It had nothing to do with that show. All right. Which show was, not which show was better, but which show did you like better? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which one did you like better? I like the intimacy of the first show that I saw. Right. I thought it was, it was really entertaining, but... The second show, I mean, you have the whole screen behind you, and I felt like it was a history lesson for me. I learned a lot more in, in that show than history class. But what about the first show? It was all like economic shit, it wasn't was it? Economic. Wasn't it sad? Cool. Did you yeah. think it was sad? Yeah, it was supposed to be funny, but it was sad. Well, it's economics. How funny can you make fucking... But it wasn't like economics, like right. the shit. It wasn't like a lesson, right? It was more like just how we've gone from being workers, like from when we came over. All right, now she's in the podcast. Okay, we get it. We get it. You, Thanks, Dawn. It cool. Okay. Okay. It's like it's like watching Raging Bull. He's like, okay, honey, don't let him influence you. You want a hamburger? You get a hamburger. We uh, give me a burger. Get her a hamburger. Uh, well, you actually you you actually helped me write. You you really tried to get me to be a writer on the show. That's right. 
you pushed and pushed and pushed me yeah. to, you know, write this, write that. You had me write out, like, jokes, you know, scenes, sketches after sketch after sketch. I wrote 100 sketches. I remember that. And I handed them in, and I never heard anything back. But here's the funny thing. <laughs> you never heard anything back? Here's what's funny about that is I saw actually some of my ideas on the show. What? Not joking. You trying to say they were stolen? I'm not saying they were stolen, and I'm not saying they were, they were the exact idea, but there were similar ideas that would pop up on the show that I submitted, because I submitted, I don't know, let's say 50, to be realistic, 50 yeah. sketch ideas, which you kept telling me to do. Yeah. And then, actually, yes, a couple of them actually, I was like, dude, I, and that could be total coincidence, because... You know, look, there's other guys writing all day, too. I mean, it's not, right. not unlikely that someone's going to come up with the same idea. But I, I saw a couple. And it's like, here's a stack of papers, a stack of ideas, four shows a week, every week. Right. And there's, there's a stack of ideas on some dude's table somewhere. You never know. Yeah. You never can put a pass. Hey, look, it happens all the time on those. And like you said... Where it happens the most is on those daily shows. And a lot of times, it's a coincidence. Daily shows, people have a million ideas. And a lot of times, people are just like, I haven't got nothing on in three weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that used to happen on SNL. Really? How many guys How many guys would complain, hey, man, that was my fucking guy I used to do my act sometimes. You know what I mean? People did that? Yeah. I heard that a few times. Where they're like, hey, that was that's for my thing. And you'd be like, I don't know if it's true. But then again, the other side of it is... I remember when I went to SNL, I had so a friend of mine, her brother had sent me some idea about a, a sketch that was kind of like an Italian version of, remember the Homeboy Shopping Network yeah. on Living Color? Yeah. It was like that with Italian. So he'd send me to me, you know, I wasn't on SNL at the time. Then I was on SNL, and they had the Joe Pesci show, Jim Brewer. Right. I had nothing to do with it. I, I wasn't one of the writers on it. Right. But it was the same set in that, oh, here we are in a warehouse, just right. like a mob, you know? Yeah. So this girl tried to call me. I didn't call her back just because I was running around, whatever. So she, then she and her brother were like, he really did. He stole, Why wouldn't he call me back? He stole our goddamn idea. Wow. She figured I stole the fucking idea. And, I, and it looked suspicious. And her brother's like, he's a, I'm sure to this day he thinks I took his idea. That's fucked up. So, I mean, that does happen, too, both ways. But you never know. It does happen the other way, too. There's people that get desperate. In places like SNL, you lose your job if you don't come up with ideas. So when your job is on the line, don't you think if you can't think of things, you're going to grab somebody's shit? Of course. I wouldn't. Have you ever done it? No. Never. Never. Because I've never done it. Yeah. There was an episode of SNL that was you on Opie and Anthony. All right. Listen, Dawn, (laughs) I'm getting to it. Oh, wow. I'm getting to it. You think, what do you think? I'm, I, I don't know my life. I, I didn't know what I didn't forget. No fucking talking on the podcast. <laughs> so you like the economic shows? Shut that? your face. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, both of you. So go ahead. Well, they had, we did a thing. We was, I brought up Larry the Cable Guy, who I think is, you know, he's a great guy. I don't give a shit what he does, whatever. Dan Whitney, I know him from day one. <laughs> right, he's he's uh he's not that redneck guy. That's a character. Right, a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people think that's him. Get her done, and then when they hear him on it, you know, sometimes they catch him going, "Hey, how are you?" And he's just a regular dude right. that used to wear polo shirts and Dockers on stage. I told you, he used to make me cry. He was funny. Yeah, he's funny. He's a funny guy. He came up with this character for radio. Yeah. So Anthony, was I tried. Just, by the way, 
I, I tried to get him on the radio when I was in Albany about nine years ago, ten years ago. I tried to get him. He called on the radio. I know him as Dan Whitney. I said, can I have his number? I tried to get his number. They didn't have it. Because I was going to call him up and go, Dan, that character is funny. Do it in, like, sparely. Don't do it too often because you'll overdo it. Just do it in your act. Don't do it as a full character. Just do it once in a while. Wow. I would have cost him $200 million. Yeah, well. Thank God I couldn't get him on the phone. That, well, yeah. That, that, that says something right there. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> should, but go ahead. You should listen to Larry and start listening to yourself. <laughs> yes, you're right. But so uh, Anthony's there. So Anthony trashing starts him. trashing him. You know, fuck that, fuck that. Right. And I was talking about, look, in the state of comedy right now, right. you need a character. Look at all the famous people. They're either a race or a character. That's right. Okay, which is you have, which gives you a people. Yeah. Once you get the people, all you need is like a catchphrase. That's right. Or like a, a thing that you do. Yeah. Which is, you know, his get her done. So we came up with Billy the Bass Man for me. Oh, yeah, you too. Where, where I go on and um, and uh, my thing was, where are we going? Right, right. So I would go up and, and, and I would go, yeah, my grandmother has two thumbs and one hand. She makes a great pot crust. Where are we going? <laughs> And people still yell it out on stage once. Actually, a comic sent me a video. He was on stage 36 seconds into his set. Someone yelled, after one of his jokes, you heard in the crowd, where are we going? <laughs> I, little, if, I guarantee if I wanted to, right now, I could fucking do that character. Sit down with a, or maybe another comic or something. Write a bunch of jokes. Right. And put where we're going. And I guarantee you, within five years... Any truck stop or gas station from here to fucking the Mississippi would have where we go in fucking hats and T-shirts. And I would be a millionaire. I'd be a fucking millionaire. <laughs> it's always better when you don't yawn at the end of a fucking long story. But what's the SNL? <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> Tell me the SNL part. Well, uh, a week later, SNL uh, had a, uh, a skit on that was basically comics you know the black guy the fat comic and he had his little he he was the fat guy but he had his saying they had the black comic with his saying all these different comics with their sayings basically the same exact shit right, right, right. which is you know what we talked about on ONA yeah. all the comic needs is a fucking people in a catchphrase right, right. and that's all they, the whole skit was people in a catchphrase black guy fat guy skinny guy fucking blah whatever and they all had catchphrases and you know and right. they do it and that was the whole thing and it's like I got so many emails like dude they fucking stole right, right. the idea and it's like look some guy listening to Opie and Anthony a writer coming into work at SNL yeah, why the fuck not? Who gives a fuck, by the way? You know, I don't give a shit. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. Nah, there's nothing you can do about it, but because you can never prove it. But you know what? Who gives a fuck? It would be great if the guy was like, "Dude, I heard that on O and A." Right. Give you credit. That'd be a nice pat on the sure. back to be. But you can't do that because then you're a fucking thief and you run the risk of, uh, you know, yeah, getting in trouble. But you know, I don't really give a fuck because it's just whatever. But. It's you know I'm sitting there watching it like wow that's very very fucking similar but yeah. just different enough to where you like it's not if it was Billy the Bassman or a country guy going where are we going there you go of course but they switched it up just enough but of who knows ninety nine percent chance it didn't even have they weren't even know and that's that's the scary thing about the whole thing is you never know for sure like you said you can't prove anything and that's the worst part well that's that that's why I like comedy it's like. It's it's it's. I don't do topical shit. 
I don't want I don't give a fuck I don't care about the economy I don't care about the world I don't really give a shit about the government or the country or other countries or you know I don't give a fuck I maybe I will later in life I'll start caring more and start talking about it or what it affects me you know I care about being at TJ Maxx today and now that they they've they've pray against weak depressed people like me because the line into the cash register is all just rows and rows of gotsy little fucking shit that I want to buy it all. Oh. It's 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 the upstairs cash register or the front the upstairs where you go now I know Marshalls I and every fucking store knows that um, we're just fat fucking no. pieces of shit trying to fucking buy an, an something that says $50 and then has a red tag that says 7.99. I have to get that. Right. Cuz it's 7.99. That's right. It's a red tag. It was $50. Right. And that you can't, you're in the that shit bugs me, but I could give a fuck about the economy. But like you, it's fucking amazing to me that you can take the shit that we all know about or don't know about about the world. I don't understand. I don't think people know how hard it is to write j- original jokes about shit that's going on now, and have them be so personal and original that you know other people can't take them. Because look, I did a joke about Osama bin Laden. You know, uh, you know they're going to have Osama. He's making all these videotapes. Uh, I remember this. Daryl Hammond's favorite joke, by the way. They're going to have Osama bloopers, right? Uh, and I turned on BET one night, and five other black comics have that joke. All kind of shit. You making all kind of video? Yeah. They can have a blooper reel. Yeah. For real, y'all. No. All right. A medical must. <laughs> no, they have to. Sit, no, they set it up for ten minutes. Yeah. For real. <laughs> but I mean bloopers. <laughs> He's got too many videos. <laughs> they can have a blooper reel for real. I'm not playing. <laughs> I'll give you like 10 enthusiastic well, it's, endorsements it's, before they It's fucking it. a Baptist church. Yeah. That's what it is. They're selling Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the shit. He's the shit. I'm telling Jesus is, I'm telling you. Obama all over the, uh, Osama's all over the place. <laughs> I see the video everywhere. <laughs> but it's, 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 you know, when I watched your play, first of all, I go to, you have your play. I talk to you all the time. You're one of my favorite people, one of my closest friends. I see you very rarely, but you know we're comics. That's just the way it is. Yeah. It doesn't even fucking affect us, you know. But your play comes out. I say to my wife, I want to go see Collins play, and I want to buy the tickets. I want to, I want to buy really good seats. Which, by the way, yeah, is almost unheard of in the comedy community. Absolutely, I was I was shocked and flattered. I'm so happy, but oh, absolutely unheard of in the comedy community. You, they, oh, a comedian will make twenty phone calls to make sure that he does not have to purchase a ticket. They want to walk up to Will Call yeah. and get their fucking yeah. I mean, if Norton had to pay for a fucking ticket, oh, he'd be home to, every night. Yeah, Norton's seen every play in in theater. On, the first on theater nighter. row right now. Yeah, he's been to every play and he doesn't own a tie. <laughs> he doesn't own a college shirt. <laughs> He owns a fucking Black Sabbath shirt. He owns a Black Sabbath shirt. Yeah. And he wears it to everything. Well, I buy the tickets, hundred and fifty each, three hundred dollars. That's three hundred dollars. I know. But wait, before you continue, let me say one thing about Norton. Yeah. Nothing worse 
than a short-haired Black Sabbath T-shirt wearer. If you wear Black Sabbath T-shirt and you have long, stringy hair, that looks all right. Yeah. A creep with short hair and a Black Sabbath T-shirt does not look good. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a reformed Black Sabbath. It's just Sabbath. horrendous. Yeah. But go ahead. So you spent 300 300 I don't even call you. I know. I don't call I you. Know. I know. I didn't know you were I, coming. You know why I didn't call you? Because I don't want you to be like, dude, I got, don't do that. Right. I want to just show up and be there for you. I know. I want to just go. And I, didn't, I don't want to go backstage. I don't want to... We went to our backstage, John's. Well, right. I called you, said, look, we're in John's Pizza. Oh, God, how good was John's? And there's nothing better when you walk over right oh. after a play and you fold up a slice and stick it down oh, your Oh, John. <laughs> ah! <laughs> so good. <laughs> so I buy the tickets. I show up. I see you. Hey, whatever. We go to John's after. You're shooting an HBO special. Right. And I get an email from your assistant. What's her name? Claire. Claire. And it says, uh, Colin would like to know if you want to go to the show, the taping, one of the tapings. He'd like to uh, make, sh- you know, make sure you have tickets. I'm like, well, that's fucking cool, man. You know? Mm-hmm. That's fucking cool. Yeah, I'd like to go. I already saw it. I'd like to see it again, but I'd like to be there to say that I was there for that taping. Support your friend. Support your friend. Be there. Uh, yep, I would. So I tell Dawn, and Dawn's excited, and we go down. And in my head, I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Literally, do I do fantasies in my head for good stuff too? Sometimes it's violent, bad, fucking crazy shit. Right. But sometimes I fantasize like uh, you know, I had a fantasy of walking in and getting the you know the will call, but it's a kind of a bigger envelope because there's laminates in there. There's like VIP passes because sometimes when I do shows, like I did a show, the guy came last week, my uncle. I made sure that he had laminates to get backstage to meet Larry and everybody after the show. So there was you know uh, second row. Uh, and then they had the passes that they can use to come backstage so they can meet everybody and say hi. Um, and they were, you know, VIP, you know, special. Uh, so I'm walking in like I'm going to, you know, get that, you know, because I've, I didn't ask. I mean, right. I was get, get the tickets, just, just the tickets. I'm like, all right, whatever, you know, no pass. Maybe there's no passes. Maybe they don't have, maybe this is theater. I don't know. Right. And I'm walking up to the thing with my wife who looks fucking beautiful, by the way, really dolled up. We both dressed up a little bit. We're going in and I'm expecting the lady to go, oh, Mr. Kelly. And come here, Mrs. Mr. Kelly, and bring us right down to the front row, second row, maybe, and sit there and maybe uh, call, you know, hey, Mr. Quinn said after the show, please wait by the store. You can, we'd like you to come back. For the after party taping party, you know, to meet everybody. Uh, I candelated the tickets. She doesn't even look up at me. She pushes <laughs> her glasses back on her face. Yeah, right into the left. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me? Right into the left, right here. Just go through the door, right in the back, the second to last row. <laughs> so I, I, I'm kind of with my wife. My heart, my heart, it wasn't an anger, it was a hurt. It was a hurt. It was a hurting pain. Oh. And I walk in, and I'm kind of biting my lip, and I'm taking deep breaths because it hurts. It's like, you know, your girl's cheating on you, but you can't, you know, and, oh. and, and you find out in that first moment you find out. And I walk in, I sit down, and then behind me was fucking the rat pack or the whack pack from Howard Stern. <laughs> Or uh, Opie and Anthony, uh, Twitchells and Levy and all these other, some guy with a fucking, one eye was bigger than the other, and this guy has Tourette's, and my wife looks like a million fucking bucks, and I, 
I'm in front of that. I'm worried that this guy's going to spit gum in her hair. And, <laughs> and then I look in front of me, and there's a, there's a camera, uh, a camera guy in front of me. Uh, so I actually... No, right in front of you. Right in front of me, there's a camera with a you guy, and I can't really see, so I, I really have to look into his lens to see the show. And... Uh, oh. It, oh. If I... If I <laughs> I was fucking. I was. I, I. I. I was. The anger. I wish I was angry. I wish it was anger. It was hurt. It was hurt. And then it came into rage. And the only thing that actually kept me there. The only. Th I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed because God forbid, a fan, an Opie and Anthony fan, or a what. If they walked in and walked past me to get to their seats, oh, a lady walks up. We need two. We need four people who want to sit up front. My hand shot up. Don's like, "What are we doing?" I go, "Come on!" And I got front. I got up front seats yeah. to your fucking show. By luck, could have been worse. You could have been Nick DiPaolo. Why? He was in the balcony in the last row of the balcony. Who the fuck is your assistant? Yeah, and I fucked up. It wasn't my assistant's fault, by the way. I called out the... It uh, doesn't matter. It's her fault. I'll tell you why it's her fault. You want me to tell you why it's her fault? Yes. Because she should know better. She you should... Don't, you don't get fucking back row shit seats we and got, go... She got pit. She should She should have known better, but the, the passive-aggressive uh, theater manager... Yeah. I, I, I actually called her out the next day. I go, what did you do? My family and friends were scattered all over. But my family, the same thing happened. And they were there, too. I go, my family and friends. She goes, oh, I just got every tickets for everybody who's going to be there. Everybody just got random tickets. I go, right. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm complaining about. <laughs> and she's like, oh, and she didn't even fucking apologize. I go, are you telling me that you... I said, do you understand what happened? And she goes... Oh yeah And then finally The next day she came And she's like I'm sorry But I could tell She didn't mean She was just a f oh, I wanted to kill her for that But it was too late There's nothing I could do But can you imagine that She actually comes to me And doesn't even apologize She was Oh I just She just told me What I knew already happened I said that's what I'm complaining about Right That you just randomly picked My family and friends Got all shit seats and by the way, for all that randomness, I noticed the HBO guests were, were in fucking decent roles, like the people yeah. from Boardwalk Empire and all of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just, which which, which uh, is fine. I still get mad thinking about it. Which is fine. But it is a funny story. But I love the fact that Twitchells was back there with Bob Levy. Well, <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. Oh, oh my God. Unfucking believable. Well, the. It, 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 but it, it, I was so mad, dude. I don't blame you. I was disgusted. I don't blame the fact, you. and the fact is that I already bought the tickets. I know. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but what are you gonna do? So, anyways, dude, you're gonna be up in Montreal this week. Yes. You're doing your show two nights. Yeah. What nights? Friday and Saturday. Friday, Saturday. You're doing your show. I'm doing my show. What nights are you doing? Monday uh, through Tuesday through Saturday. We're doing cheat live. Which is, you know, like, you know. You, Billy, and Joe? Me, Billy, Joe. We got our actually cool video that's going up at the beginning of the Are show. Are you guys going to be in stand up? We're going to do stand up. We've got to think of some theme shit or no, try to do some weird great. shit. We, we put a video together. 
It's uh, you know that song, My Guy. Yeah, my guy, and it it just has images of all the people that have cheated, like Schwarzenegger and Hilarious. Brett Favre, and and then it's great. The video comes in, and it's just such a beautiful song about how she supports her guy and my guy. Yeah. she's there, and it just shows these guys, and then the video comes up where it's like. Clinton halfway through the song is like Clinton goes I did not have sexual relations with that woman and then it goes right to the one I did have sexual relations <sighs> and then it goes to Brett Favre I'm retiring <laughs> and then it goes to oh. Wiener and then it, the last clip is Tiger Woods just staring at the camera and he goes I'm so sorry oh. and he bows his head <laughs> but uh and then Joe's going out he's hosting it and uh I'm going up in the middle. Billy's going up at the end. And we all kind of hit the cheat stuff a little differently. I'm from a married point of view. Where Then you could have, in the middle of the line, he may not be a movie star. And then my guy song. And then show images of you three. That's true. We could do that. We're actually doing, <laughs> we're doing a, a, a show at a strip club across the street from Club Soda. Cleopatra. You are? Yeah. It's fucking cool. What time is it's it? It's cool. It's cool. But Jay, Jay, uh, big Jay Ogerson has his own show, his own one man show, I guess, before us, which takes away some of the fucking fun. Oh, of course. <laughs> but uh, it's at ten thirty at night every night. Oh, I can come to it. Yeah, it's gonna be it's after my show. Yeah, it should be good. So be great. We're doing that, and then I'm doing a gala. But this is funny. I'm doing a relationship show, but with food. So it's basically that's what I was working on tonight. Is great. Trying to do uh, the food stuff, yeah. Tonight, you trying got some to work. funny food shit. I got some good food stuff. I got some. Good, the cheat stuff is pretty good. That worked out. I did that thing about uh, my wife. I told you that joke about. Uh, yeah, you told me. Yeah, <laughs> I just didn't know she heard it. The one, yeah. Well, that's the she one. Might smash you in the face. If one, she the one joke she said to me: "B, can you not?" She's never told me not to say anything. Because, I mean, look around. I know. I bought this with jokes. That's my thing. I go, you like that cable? You like that bill being paid? Then shit your face. No, but that was the one joke that she told me not to say. But I think I made it funny enough to that she doesn't. She thinks it's funny now. The one nobody's going to remember the details. I mean, sitting on a rock. The rock. No, it was it was wasn't supposed to be discussed. In, in one day, we're in the car with his older sister, oh. and we drive by the area, and he says it out loud, and I was just i forgot we were in the car with my little sister and i there's oh. a, it's literally this little strip of beach in marblehead where i took her on the first i used Marblehead's to nice i <laughs> no, it's not, i've never been there but everybody says it's nice well it's just rocks and oh. a little tiny beach and i took her there and uh down the street was a little uh like a little ice cream place just white you know vanilla and chocolate that's all you could get but I didn't have any money so I used to you know take girls down to Marblehead because it was fancy my mom lived down there but you know I took her over to the ice cream place and then the rock she made it to the rock the rock and uh (laughs) we wound up you know that's where I did my sexy vampire shit back in the day because I had the hair I I know good looking and we made out and then she we had (laughs) And she fucking. <laughs> but you're talking like you, you. This was your thing. Like you took other girls. Oh. There. I took other girls there. Oh. 
Oh, this is another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Hang on. I never took girls for ice cream and the rock. <laughs> All right, Colin, it was nice having you. <laughs> Guys, this is nice. The last podcast I actually got to be involved in. Now I do understand why you didn't want her talking during this podcast. You understand? Yes. <laughs> it's going to be a long night after I leave this house, I'll tell you. Not for me, for these two. Anyways, dude, it's fucking... I, this, Thanks, buddy. This, this, I love you. I love you too, man. This is like the the calmest podcast we've ever done. I know. We usually fight each other. I know. We usually beat each other up. Yeah. And we didn't this time. No, we didn't. I really want to smack you in the face right now, though. Well, I have a bad shoulder, or I'd feel the same way. Right. right. But I, I, that, no, I didn't want to, but then when I talked about it, yeah. how we usually fight each other. It brings up, I know. It brought up the, ah, oh, just, just crack them The right fun. Now. Yeah, the fun of just smacking. And then the last you, time we had an umbrella fight. Yeah. Last time I was well, old. You, you had the fucking gay Japanese 12-year-old girl umbrella. Um, I don't, the, it's the umbrella that is clear. And goes over you like a dome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a very safe umbrella. I bought it. It's fucking efficient. But, uh, dude, you, you, this uh, this week, uh, next week, actually, or whatever, you're going to be in Montreal. But uh, actually, check out his Twitter, too, because he's just a fucking awesome, just annoy, you just annoy everybody. I am, I am Colin Quinn. Uh, it's true. If you want to uh, get some real sincere, clean, good times. In these decadent times we live in, check in with me on Twitter. Although lately I haven't been on the past few days. It's all right. Well, the, and the people, the fact that people don't get that you're being a sarcastic fucking oh, douche cunt better. intentionally, yeah. and they're taking you serious, it just you, they should die. I lose as many as I get. Yeah, oh, we've we, we've decided we're gonna we'll talk about that next time. I don't want to kill some of these tweet fucking. We'll talk about that next time. But dude, it was an interesting conversation. Thanks for uh, coming great. on. Uh, I am I am Colin Quinn at I am Colin Quinn on Twitter, and he's up in Montreal. And uh, thanks again, bro. Thanks, brother. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks again for listening to another episode of You Know What Dude podcast on GloryHoleRadio.com. And make sure to check out all the other shows on the Glory Hole Network. If you're using the Stitcher app, type in the word fart when you register. iTunes users, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. If you're a real fan of the show and you want to show your support, go to GloryHoleRadio.com slash Robert Kelly and hit the donate button. $10 will get you a shout out on the air. $20 will get you my first CD, Robert Kelly Live, not available in stores. If you have any questions, email me at robertkelly at gloryholeradio.com.